Between the Bytes, tech news and cybersecurity updates. My name is Gary Arnold. I'm marketing director here at Executech. My name is Derek Parkinson. I'm a marketing specialist with Executech. We are joined today by frequent guest, James Fair, our Senior Vice President of Technical Operations. How are you today, James? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Hello, everyone. And we are also joined again by special guest, Ben Reese, our training manager here at Executech. Ben, how are you today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Always a treat. The two of you make a great little combo when it comes to all things IT. Last week, we discussed a little bit about what it takes to be an IT consultant here at Executech. I think that was a really interesting discussion. I wanted to go in a little bit of a similar thread and, and open it up for you guys and hear about the stories from the front lines, maybe a little bit of a day in the life of an IT consultant. What are the fun, the scary, the crazy, the weird things that you've encountered in your wanderings as IT consultants and IT folks? I think there's more than your average person behind the scenes stuff that you get to see, definitely from a company's perspective, but also on individuals, both good and bad. And maybe we can dive into that a little bit. Not a ton of questions because I want to leave it open for you guys to share stories. But I guess my first prompt is either one of you, what was the most fun you've had as an IT consultant? So I think the most fun I've had as an IT consultant is when we do late night projects. So it's, it's a little different now that we have Corona and COVID. But before, right, we would do these big projects, an email migration, a server migration, and you would get, depending on the size of the project, right, you could either have three or four guys or you'd have 15 guys there. And we'd all get together, we'd all get food, and then we'd work on this project together. And I think that is where a lot of the camaraderie came from. We're in the trenches in those projects, right? And I mean, there'd be silly stuff about owners coming in or the old owner of Executech just hollering out weird nicknames to people, you know, just random stuff like that. But those I definitely think are one of the funner things we've done, being an IT consultant and doing actual IT work. Those are infamous. I've heard a lot about those. I do want to ask just as a little bit of a tangent to this subject, but what does a typical project, in your case, you said email migration, without getting too technical, like what are you actually doing that it requires 15 people to do it? Yeah, so you do a lot of migration work on the back end of it, right? Moving it from Google to Office 365 or Exchange to Office 365. But then once you get that moved over, then you have to go to each individual computer and reconfigure people's outlook to get to that new email box. So that's why you would need those people to go around to everyone's personal computers and reconfigure it. And obviously, we do this overnight to try and reduce the disruption to a business. Is this like a midnight, we call it good, or 5 a.m.? It, it just totally depends on the project, right? There's been times where we've had a project go really well and we're in and out before 11. Or there's been projects. I was on a project that we traveled to Colorado. We go to do the email migration and they can't update the DNS settings. So we couldn't even do it Friday night. We had to just sleep over and then do it on Saturday at morning, which thankfully we were there an extra day. Usually if we could travel, we're there the whole weekend just in case. But yeah, I mean, there's been times where you've had to wait or you're fighting with something and you just have to keep plugging away. Most of the time we'll cut away at like 12 or one because by then your brain's already melted and then you come back the next day and tackle it again. But yeah, there's been plenty of times where it almost need the whole weekend. You're painting some pretty big horror stories there, but I, I will say early on, 
we were not so great at projects. We didn't really staff them appropriately. My very first one was till 4.30. And, and I'll be honest, I had to ask myself, what have I gotten myself into? Is this for what I want to be doing? And I also had a fun one in Colorado where we got there and the server had some additional pieces of software that had not been discovered ahead of time. They had not been mentioned or discovered and suddenly things were down. I'll share one particular one that, that happened to me. I was working on a town in Newcastle, a municipality. And in order to install the antivirus software, I had to remove this to Dell product that was for, installed for protection. It was very stubborn. It did not want to remove through normal means. So I used some other means to get rid of it. Well, in doing so, the software that they ran on that machine no longer worked. And I was a little bit panicking and I found the disks nearby and I did a reinstallation. So hopefully it would come back. And just as I was finishing up, the public works guy came in and said, so how's it going? And I said, oh, I think we're pretty close to getting this back up running. He goes, oh, good, because the city is about out of water. <laughs> I went, whoa. <laughs> so apparently I was working on um, a SCADA device, they call it SCADA, and it controlled the water flow to the rest of the city. Yeah. So had I not gotten that back up soon, the city would have literally run out of water. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No pressure. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I mean, it just goes to show our dependence on technology it runs deeper than we think. So thanks to the IT folks out there. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You've mentioned the late nights, which are a little bit of a combination, it sounds like, of the fun, the good times, hanging out with the work colleagues and friends, and a little bit of stress. But are there other stories where it's super high stress that you can think of that, like, you were under the gun sweating bullets? I mean, I, I have one, it's ironic, but I had a client there in Heber. I was at another client doing something and they called me up and said, Hey, I have a file that says it's corrupted and I can't open it. This is their words, right? I can't open any Excel files. So immediately I go to ransomware, right? Like my heart drops to my stomach. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And I'm at least 40 minutes away because I'm in Lehigh, so I just get in the car and buzz up a Provo Canyon. I'm sure James probably got a phone call about me speeding in the company car. But <laughs> but ripped up there right in the whole time, I'm thinking, okay, well, hopefully my backups are good. Hopefully my backups are good, you know, because that'll save me. And I get up there, and it was one file that had gotten corrupted, and it just, it just happened, right? But IT guys will know how stressful that is when you think it's ransomware until you get there to confirm that it's not. Because, yeah, there are people that just still lay in the fetal position if you say ransomware. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my more uh, learning opportunities, we'll call it, I was working on someone's server remotely. And I don't know, I was, I guess, inexperienced. I hadn't really thought it through very well. Perhaps it was late and I wasn't thinking clearly. But I made some modifications to the network settings in the server, which immediately dropped it offline remotely. And I'm sure every tech has had this experience once at least where they go in and they make changes to the network settings. And if they aren't correct, the server drops off and it does not come back. And you end up going in your car and going for a drive. That's always a treat. Yeah, I've done that where I've accidentally, instead of restarted the server, powered it off remotely. And well, <laughs> like I'm going to the client. <laughs> Let's see, I had, it was a Friday night and I had gone in to rewire the server room. It was a new client and we had just taken them over and the server rack was just a mess. Things were racked that didn't need to be, equipment was there that didn't need to be, wires everywhere. It was a total disaster. It was not our style at all. So I had made a plan, met with the point of contact and he and I went in there and re-racked everything, got the wires all pretty, you know, labeled things appropriately. And while we were there, the door had been opened to the, to the server room and so the air conditioning had been kind of going nuts. So in order for us not to freeze during the entire time, we turned the air conditioner off. 
Well, come the next morning, the artist, she had access to the server room. Some of her supplies were in there and she called me up and she was kind of funny. She said, yeah, I opened the door and the heat of a thousand suns rolled out upon me. And I went, oh, air conditioner. So yeah, I got in my car and I know I broke some some speed records getting down there. And sure enough, I opened the door and like every piece of equipment in that whole place is going, just every fan capped out. You could hear the whole thing. It was just like the symphony of fan noises. Fortunately, everything kept running. Nothing went down. I, I'm sure I knocked some life off of those fans that day, though, for sure. <laughs> but didn't actually cook a hard drive that time. No, no. I do encourage people to install thermal devices now during my training for that very reason. <laughs> Experience is a great teacher. Amen to that. Well, on that vein, are there any other odd or weird or kind of hardware related stories? I know there's one that we like to tell where we walk into a client who was very confident in their security. that They had a top of the line firewall installed by their previous provider and it was super nice and expensive. And we go and say, great, let's look at it, see what kind it is. And it's sitting there in the server room there in its rack. It's beautiful, uh, unplugged. Yeah, not powered up. Not even plugged in at all. Anything else like that you've encountered? So I have one. This is probably the most infamous story of myself at Executech. Accounting still doesn't look at me the same, minus the phishing attempts, but that's a whole other story. But I was here maybe a couple weeks, and one of the other techs, we needed to put SSDs into Executech server, right, to put QuickBooks on. And they're like, hey, will you just go pick those up? And then install them when you have time. I'm like, sure. So I have them. I'm trying to figure out when I can do it after hours. They call me up and they say, hey, have you gotten those hard drives in yet? And I'm like, no, because I need to do it after hours. He's like, it's lunchtime. Just go throw them in. It'll take two seconds. And I'm like, okay. So I go, I tell the office manager that I need to throw these hard drives in so they can fix QuickBooks. And she said, okay. I'm like, it'll be done in 30 minutes. Go to lunch. You'll be great. Well, I go in, I put the hard drives in the server doesn't power back on. So the server had been on for so long, nobody even could remember the last time they rebooted that server. And when I power cycled it, it killed the drives and we couldn't get it back up. <laughs> and it was closing week <laughs> and I'm still here. <laughs> so yeah, that was it was many like years ago. <laughs> it was many years ago. I've learned many lessons since then, but yeah. And personally, I have this thing about a fear of servers not coming up every time I turn them off, right? And so that was one of those that I, wait, it's not coming on. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah, I was going to ask if there is a fear like that, the suspense of turning something off and back on again. Yeah. Because back when I used to do HVAC installs, you could spend 12 to 16 hours installing a furnace and an air conditioner. Quality doesn't always matter. There's still that moment where you have to flip the switch and just pray that it turns on because if it doesn't, that adds anywhere from one to four more hours to the work. <laughs> yeah, I've got a story along those lines. So we took over for a very large and famous company, their location here in the Salt Lake area, and they had an IBM AS400, an old school mainframe that they were still using. And this thing had been up for something measured in years, like six years. It had not been restarted and it had constant power. It just never been rebooted, never been anything. And it was necessary that we shut it down to move this thing and then power it back up. Right. And so after six, you know, plus years, that, that is one of those things where you turn it on and you just kind of pray that it's going to turn back on. And equipment that old, you know, mainframe, you turn them on, it's not, you don't get an immediate response. So it's, it's a wait period. Meanwhile, your, <laughs> your heart is not beating either and you're holding your breath and yeah, it did come back up, but <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have there been any situations where you've been 
maybe scared, maybe not for your personal safety per se, though maybe there's a scenario where that happened. Love to hear that. But just scared of the consequences. You know, sometimes there's a criminal on the other side of what's happened or happening with a client. Any situations like that? I've been in some basements that were pretty frightening. We had a client (laughs) who their location is a very old location and their buildings were very old. And their basements, like these are brick buildings that, I don't know, there's like the plasters falling out in places you can see underneath. And some of those basements are terrifying. And some of them were crawl spaces you had to get into. So yeah, some of those can be like, I, when I was going to this client, I knew I would take an extra pair of clothes because I was not going to wear my slacks and my executive shirt to get into that crawl space. I think that's probably one of the most terrifying for me. And I, I don't mind small dark spaces, but I know some people would. I have been in a crawl space before where I moved something over. In a crawl space you couldn't sit up in, you had to quite literally crawl, move something over and pissed off a spider's nest. So I had a bunch of spiders crawling on me and I had to run, (laughs) like run, I say run, I had to speed crawl out. This was a residential location. So their crawl space entrance was in the middle of their living room. And the whole family had made dinner and sat down in the living room to watch TV and eat dinner together. So I had to come up covered in spiders and not completely lose it in front of them. So I come up and very casually walk out the front door. And then in their front lawn, I freaked out and had to try and brush all these spiders off of me and then go back. (laughs) I did once hang an an access point up on the side of a tower. And the only way to get to it was a ladder, but the ladder wasn't quite long enough. So we ended up putting it on top of an air conditioning unit and then going from there up the ladder. So Heights and I are not big friends. I'm not a fan of Heights at all. I never have been. So anything to do with like large Heights, like hanging access points on ceilings or calling up in, in attics, that one always gets me for sure. I've got many stories like that. Tuck and roll. Lots of praying was involved. Do you have a, a story that sort of the end of the day was a big win for the client after what we did? Maybe a, a dramatic change because of what took place or what was able to happen before things were X and after they were much better Y? I mean, that's all of our clients, Gary. What are you talking about? It's, <laughs> it's true, better, right? But... Dramatic changes all the time. Yeah, we certainly we had a client who was... They were on the verge of leaving us, actually. They had decided that we could not solve their technical challenges. And after some tough discussions, they admitted that they had not followed the advice we had given them. We said, look, in order to resolve these challenges, you must do X and spend Y and get these servers out. And they had not done that. And so we, on our own, spent our money and put a new server in place to prove our point. And upon doing so, they came back and made some apologies and were willing to pay for the server and agreed that had they followed our directions to begin with, we would not have been down this path where things were a challenge. I think one of the things that I used to love, and it's not for everybody and it can be a little bit tough, is being the closer per se, right? Where we'd have a client and it always I always felt that it was me being the closer, but we'd have a client that they'd be struggling for whatever reason. And then I'd be able to just go in there and fix that relationship, right? And be able to get them to a better place, which then I could turn that over to a new team member and have them run with it and then continue that good relationship. But that was one of those things I just would love to do, right? And (laughs) for some reason, I would just, hey, I'll do it, you know, because I knew I could. But yeah, that was always gratifying for me. And was our client whisperer. I mean, it's funny you say that, Ben. I mean, our last podcast episode, if nobody's caught that yet, I, I recommend going back to listen to it. 
our jobs, you know, as, as individuals, as IT consultants and as a company is just as much people as it is technical. Communication is so big for us and being able to parse emotions and situations and sensitive anything in addition to actually, you know, running a program, booting this, installing that. It's all equally important, I feel like, which I think is part of the fun and the uniqueness of our industry and what we do. Yep, definitely. Yep. Organizations call us typically when they're in pain, not when things are going well. So we have to go in and kind of play superhero a bit, whether it's technological challenges or in some cases we've had clients call us because they couldn't understand like the phone provider. Like this, these people are not speaking English. Can you please talk to them for us? And our job was to translate telecom into English and back and act as the interface between those folks. And yeah, we do enjoy doing that for sure. Yeah. Any uh, awkward situations? Embarrassing, maybe not for yourself, but maybe for others. One of my clients had, they were kind of sprawled out across a campus area and there were switches, not by my doing, but there were switches in locations that would require maintenance periodically. And one of these was in a really awkward place. It was in the public women's restroom. And I had gone in and I, you know, I mean, there's only so much warning I can give, right? So I go in and I yell and I say, hey, maintenance coming in to work on this. Anybody here? I get no response. I go in and start working on the switch and I hear activity in the restroom. I look over and sure enough, there was someone there. I don't know if they were hard of hearing or just thought it was awkward, didn't want to answer me. But that was one of my more awkward times. I left. I came back a couple hours later. I didn't want to be uh, seen or, <laughs> or see who that was. I didn't want to make eye contact with anyone at that point. What a weird place for a switch. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of weird places for switches. You'd be surprised. Yeah. More than once we've had outages that are tough to trace down. And a client calls us up, we're down. We go, they say all of our equipment's here. Yet no matter what we do, everything appears to be up and running. And then we end up finding a switch somewhere. We've found one actually sheetrocked in behind a sheetrock wall. We've seen switches like that before. <laughs> so you have to be really like, wow, we're going to have to tear out the sheetrock to get to this. That's certainly a frequent one. I think one of my awkward ones was I accidentally rebooted a server at a city on accident when I was on site, right? And so I'm just sitting there waiting for it to come up, hoping nobody comes and says something. And then the city manager comes down. It's like, hey, by the way, like, why is this not working? Being at, oh yeah, that was my fault. I'm sorry, right? But like, it's a little awkward to have to admit when you reboot a server in the middle of the day. Yeah, I'm sure more than one of us have, I know I certainly have, working behind a server rack and kicked a cord out that you did not mean to. Yeah. Or it was, it was not in all the way or a network cable was a little flaky and you bumped it and suddenly you're scrambling to figure out why everything is down again. Yeah. This has been fun guys. A lot of great stories as we wrap up here. <laughs> any other crazy stories, any other weird moments, any fun times that you would share in all of your journeyings as consultants? I'll share one. So we had a we had a customer call us up once and complained that their server had been crashing four or five times a day and asked us if we'd come take a look. And so I drove up there. They were in downtown Salt Lake. And I said, yeah, where's your server? And they said, oh, it's behind those doors. And those doors appeared to be like closet doors where the top half is louvered and the bottom half is solid. And I opened this double door and yeah, it's like a hundred degree heat rolls out and hits me. And the closet, as it turns out, was about a foot deep and five feet wide and seven feet tall and had zero ventilation outside of those louvered top half of those doors. And as you can imagine, the server was down there fully taxed, fan going crazy, and it was hitting thermal overloads, which is causing it to, to restart. And they said, what do we do about that? And I said, well, to start with, you have to leave this door open. And they said, well, it's not very secure. And I go, well, you're right. Do you, we have to juggle some priorities here. Do you want uptime or do you want secure? 
Unfortunately, it still continued to crash once a day, even after that. I think the thing had crashed so many times that there were flaws in the database and this kind of stuff. So we ended up replacing that server. But thermal challenges are not uncommon in our industry, for sure. I do have another story. We were at a project and we were working on an email migration. And for some reason, we could not get these mailboxes to configure on Office 365. And we had like 10 mailboxes. It just wouldn't work, wouldn't work. Called Microsoft, right? Like trying to figure out what was going on. And, and I'm at it for like maybe an hour, hour and a half trying to figure out what's going on. And then one of the other consultants that was there came up and was like, hey, have you ever checked out the office repair tool? <laughs> I'm just like, no. He's like, oh, try that. <laughs> and it fixed it. And I'm like, why did you not mention this an hour and a half ago? <laughs> but it was just so funny. That, and it was totally just like nonchalant. Like, hey, have you tried this? <laughs> like, Yeah, it was hilarious. But we got it done. We got it figured out. Love it. Yeah. So some of the key words of wisdom that I've heard from two of our most senior technicians here, I like this. We have plug it in, thermal sensors, don't power cycle a server during office hours. <laughs> don't work on a server during office hours, period. Don't, don't work on a server during office hours. Yeah, that, that's, that's become a model for ours. We just do not touch servers during production time. You just can't. Any other words of wisdom? Oh, use MFA. Oh, that's a good call. Excellent. <laughs> nice. Good plug, mate. Turn on MFA. I guess on that note, wouldn't be a true Between the Bytes podcast unless I asked you more about any cyber stories that, uh, and I know those can be a bit more compromising, but anything that you could share in terms of the story with a takeaway. Yeah, I'll share one. I want to set the stage that this is not common or normal and please don't expect this. At the time we had a client, big client, like over 500 user client get infected with ransomware. That's why they had hired us because they had previously been infected by ransomware a couple of times. And we'd gone to great lengths to make sure that was not going to happen again. Well, one of their internal administrators with full access, his credentials had gotten compromised and they came in through his computer and they were very thorough. They wiped out all of our backups. They wiped out the backups of the backups. In fact, they were on what we call NAS boxes, network attached storage. They had formatted to hard drives, so we could not even do a data recovery from those drives. They deleted files, they encrypted files. We were pretty much dead in the water. There was not a whole lot we could do. Uh, we were working with the FBI at the time. And again, I'm setting the stage that this is not common. I've never seen this before, probably never will again. But one night, the FBI cybersecurity branch reached out to us and said, hey, we've seen an attack on one of your clients. And I said, yeah, you're, thanks for the heads up. I'm definitely aware of this one. They said, well, we have something we'd like you to try. And I said, okay. And I drove down to the FBI headquarters and I got a flash drive from them and we plugged it in. And it turned out to be an effective and useful decryptor. We were able to decrypt every single file and got them back up and running despite having everything been wiped out. So that year, they wouldn't allow us to give them too much, but we bought them uh, Christmas gifts, some food. <laughs> food. Food was allowed, apparently. Wow. To that the was rescue. a scary one. Yeah. I mean, we're days we were doing this. It was definitely, those men were, uh, were high in my, in my mind after that. They had some serious reputation. <laughs> I will praise them day and night after that event. And even before then, but particularly afterward. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, I feel like uh, snuggled up to the fire and listened to these stories. It's great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's more. Back in my day. And I'm sure we can get some more out of you given enough time. So we appreciate you sharing these stories. You know, there's little nuggets of uh, takeaways, I think, for everyone on each of these and little things to do or not to do. And just the life of an IT consultant is never dull, despite what many people think about IT. I think it's a pretty action-packed, so to speak, line of work. Absolutely. There's always something. Thank you, guys. And thanks to everyone for listening. That's it for this week's episode. And we'll catch you next time.
Sounds good. Take care, everyone. See you guys. See you guys.